Our uh, next speaker is Tevodaj Morgis. She is Senior Economist and Technical Assistance Advisor at the International Monetary Fund. And until recently, she was also Senior Research Fellow at IFPRI. So welcome back to you, Tevodaj. Thank you, Rajul. So the work that uh, I'm discussing today is actually work, as you can imagine, that I started and nearly completed uh, while at IFPRI. And by the way, I have to say it's wonderful to be back. It's my first time back in one year. So, And this is uh, research with uh, my colleague Tolu Lope Olofimbi, who's also in the room right over there. All the questions over there later on. And uh, she's a recent uh, PhD graduate from Tufts University. So in, our, in, in this research, what we were concerned about is, or what motivated the research was observations that we've made over the years, really, in the course of our work and even of other colleagues' work, that there are a number of investments, public investments, that have proven high returns, not only in agriculture, also beyond agriculture, but that don't receive really any budgetary attention in, in, in a number of countries, developing countries. On the other hand, there are a number of uh, expenditure types that have very mixed welfare impacts, and yet they get a lot of funding. A lot of spending goes into these terrains. So this has really raised the question of why do we have this pattern of misinvestment and, and underinvestment in, in a lot of agricultural activities with high returns? That was sort of the core question that motivated this research. And we've gotten at this in, in many other uh, approaches and studies. What we did here is we wanted to focus on the role of information, either in the form of technical expertise or locally specific knowledge in shaping how public investments are undertaken. And in order really to try to understand the way that the use or misuse or, or underuse of information may contribute to the misinvestments that I described earlier. So in this study, we applied a principal agent model in order to understand how information is used in the context of uh, decentralized Nigeria. So really, we're looking here at the subnational tiers, the state level and the, um, and the local level, in how agricultural public investments are undertaken and where information is used or not. So we'll be talking about three principal agent type of relationships, which I'm going to go into immediately after I, I give you a quick idea of what the data was. So this is fundamentally qualitative analysis where we interviewed nearly 80 uh, senior policymakers and decision makers that either directly or indirectly were either formally responsible or also de facto very important in making decisions on, on funding that goes to agriculture in the respective jurisdictions. And the study was in, in three states, in Niger State, in Ondo State, and Cross River State, which are located in different parts of, in, in different geopolitical zones of the country. So going straight into these relationships, the first that we examined was the relationship between what we're referring to as non-sectoral chief executives. So these would be, for example, the governor of a state in, in Nigeria or the chairman of a local government authority or LGA. So these are individuals who have no particular focus or they're not supposed to have a particular focus on agriculture. Their remit is really to oversee the, the juris their jurisdiction as a whole. And we look at their relationship with sector leaders, so agricultural commissioners, for example, at the state level, or directors, agricultural directors at the local government level. And, and what we see in, in interviewing them and many others is that there's 
a, a major incongruence between the locus of influence over agricultural budgets, so those who actually make the actual decisions, versus the locus of information and expertise about agriculture. So, for example, the non-sectoral chief executives, whether these are at the state or the local level, even though they really weren't, they didn't have any particular agricultural expertise, really had excessive influence over budgetary allocation, both to agriculture, of course, but also within agriculture. They were involved in sort of even the minute details of deciding what types of seedlings to purchase and what amounts. Um, they were involved in different spending categories, whether it is capital expenditure, capital projects, staffing, hiring, salary levels, etc. So we, we really fleshed this out in a lot of detail. We were really struck by uh, the extent of power and influence that these non-sectoral chief executives had, which contrasted with the fact that these agricultural technical leaders were very marginal in all of these decision-making processes. The second type of relationship we examined is across different tiers of government. So we compared and, and, and tried to understand the role of the state government vis-a-vis -vis the local government in agricultural decision-making. And in decentralization, for those of you who have been you know, exposed somewhat to the decentralization literature, one of the purported benefits of decentralization is that local or lower tier jurisdictions when they're given authority over spending and other decisions, can actually tap into the naturally superior information they have about their jurisdiction in order to provide services more efficiently. What we see here is that this lower tier information advantage of local governments in Nigeria is utterly unused. I have to say it kind of quite bluntly because that's really what we saw. State governments, state leaders, a number of different agencies, not only the, the governor, but also other, other um, ministries, state ministries, made all the decisions about local government budgets. <clears throat> so we really saw that, and these are the budgets that are supposed to be untied and fully in the purview of these local governments. So quite in contrast, however, when we compare the federal and the state level relationship, the, this is actually the other extreme, right? So state governments uh, had complete control over their budgets. The federal government had practically nothing to say. And the reason I'm saying it's the other extreme is not only were they fairly had no sway over the, the budgets of the state, but also they had no information about what the states were doing. They didn't know how much they're spending in agriculture and, and within agriculture. So the, the third and final relationship that I want to tap into is that between the citizens and government. And this actually relates quite a bit to a number of, of, of uh, themes that run through the special issue um, as a whole. What we've seen is that politicians take, you can say take either take advantage or react on the fact that citizens have very limited information about which kinds of outcomes and, and, and outputs in that affect their lives are attributable back to the, to the actions of government. So because of that, politicians, both again state and local level, actually allocate resources to those investments that are the most visible, literally can be seen with the eye, and also allocate uh, funds and, and investments to those types of um, outputs that can quickly be ma quickly materialized. And that has actually served to the disfavor of agriculture, because that is not the characteristics of agriculture. So I know we're I'm a bit out of time, so I'm just going to say, and we can talk about this hopefully more during the, um, the Q&A, that there are a number of directions that change would need to happen, either directly policy-related change or more broad, broad types of change. 
Fundamentally, I'd like to argue that this incongruency between information on the one hand and influence on the other, <coughs> other hand would need to sort of be rebalanced in, in many different ways. So thank you very much.